Good morning. It is Monday, July 1st, 8.12 a.m. I hope y'all had a good week. I had a really busy week. Surprise, surprise. Um, Taylor has been helping me move my studio zone from the kitchen to the plant room and then I'm redispersing the plants. So there's still plants in the plant room, but now my front room is like a little shop and it's really cute. Um, one of the great things about having your shop inside your house is you can choose who comes in through the door. So that's really nice. And also it's, it's convenient to me. Um, so yeah just spinning the wheels of commerce as usual on friday we went to a estate sale and it was located in south san francisco and so it's kind of between a little past bayview hunters point kind of daily city area but not quite if i'm not mistaken <laughs> um it was at uh, what was called a hoarder house or a digger. It's the type of estate sale it is, is called a digger. And that's when it's just full of bins and bins of crap. Uh, it was a, um, like a ranch style house, probably built in the sixties or early seventies. And the woman who, well, the mother, I'm not sure what the dad did. Probably some, I think some kind of unionized work. Um, perhaps some pipe fitters. I didn't really see much evidence. I saw a couple things, so I, I couldn't necessarily relate it to his profession. But the, the mother worked for Dakin, which um, was a... They are a stuffed animal company, for those that don't know. They did the dream pets and whatnot. And then uh, the man who invented the Beanie Babies used to work for them. Uh, also Gund, another uh, toy, stuffed animal toy company, uh, was part of that, merged or came from that. I'm not sure which direction. <laughs> uh, so there were a lot of stuffed animals and... Um, cutesy memorabilia uh, very moldy uh, the basement was was just packed uh, they had two daughters it seemed and after the children left home they had left the rooms as they were but then you know when someone doesn't when someone prepares an estate the house gets kind of torn up so people think wow they lived like this no, they probably didn't live like how we're seeing them, even if they were hoarders. There was probably some sense of order to them, you know. Um, one moment. There was probably some sense of order to the way the, the objects were arranged. Um, but when you do an estate sale, for the in the kitchen, for example, you take out all the pots and pans and all the, all the plates, and you put them on tables and outside the counter, 
when you have them all out there so they can be purchased and perused more easily. So the, so this house was just full of it. It was just every single little bit in Bob that this, uh, that this family had acquired was in the house. And it had spilled out the, into the yard. They saved every single backpack and tote bag that they had ever had. Um, which was really funny in a way um, because it was covered with some kind of rubbishy goo and uh, there and it smelled weird but uh, we managed to find some really cool things I got some dance <clears throat> some dance costumes there that I was excited about but when I washed them the smell was so strong it like it it was mold and something else. Maybe the dye chemicals of the costumes came out and it was so bad that I just had to throw them away. So buy $5 down the drain. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of other, other things that were good. And, you know, just 19, like 40s to 50s sports uniforms that Taylor found for me which I purchased, uh, baseball, basketball, bowling. It was, it was, uh, it was a lot of digging. We were there for uh, probably an hour and a half. Uh, they, they did have, of course, a large baseball memorabilia collection and baseball cards. There was a signed Joe DiMaggio ball which there was a lot of, of hoopla surrounding, but I like it when they have stuff there that I'm not interested in. So everyone can focus on that damn ball and I can, I can get to work and get to digging through, through the myriad items. There was a worker there who was um, particularly nosy and everything that me and Taylor didn't want, she would put in a pile for herself and I'm talking everything. Taylor wanted some sheets that had some some old like rust spots on them or something and she just started marking the prices way up on these sheets and then Taylor was like no that's too much and she then kept them for herself and then somebody asked about a couple of things that we had discarded and she's like those aren't for sale those are mine so yeah sometimes the people helping out at, at this particular estate sale company are they're not very well schooled in in a social graces so you know that's a learning process though but I, I I do say that a good time was had by all and I appreciate her help Taylor's help that is um so they had a so I got back home, I believe it was, was it Saturday? Yeah, yes, two days ago. Good Lord, it's been a long week. I started removing some nails from my, um, kind of like my door jam area, where there were little bits of carpet clung to it, and therefore some dust. And I had to use a ball-peen hammer on it. Well... My lovely neighbor, Queeferin, she 
started banging on the ceiling, her ceiling, and telling me to shut the fuck up. Uh, it was 12.30 in the afternoon, and the, the night before, so Friday night, she had started with her partying and her bad music <clears throat> around 3.30 a.m. and didn't stop till 8 a.m. and had the shit up till 11. So she needed her beauty rest because she was tired and... You know, it was only noon 30, so, you know, I needed to keep it down, which I thought was hilarious. She woke up the entire building, you know, Um, and then she, like, came up the door of the gate and then proceeded proceeded to do the cop knock on my door and tried to jiggle the knob and tried to use her body weight to open my door. Thank God I had locked the damn door. And Amisha, my upstairs neighbor, was coming down the stairs and she started laying into Amisha. And it was hilarious because she didn't have a leg to stand on. And she was tweaking out of her mind. She was on the meth and her eyes are all wild and crazy. That's why she had been up so late. And she was probably still awake, full disclosure. You know? And she was all wild-eyed. If I had opened that door, what would she have done? Tried to, tried to beat me up? That would have been hilarious. I would have liked to have seen that. If I had let her in and let her beat me up, I could have sent her to jail. Problem solved, but you know what? I don't feel like getting beaten up. And I never do, actually. I hate it. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the interesting uh, conflicts that I had to deal with. Um, and we are changing the locks on that gate because we're sick of her shit and she shouldn't be coming up there. So, yeah, I have been entertaining myself here and there with movies and whatnot. I went and saw The Last Black Man in San Francisco. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful film. If you still haven't seen it, I feel like I'm one of the last people to I'm one of the last people in San Francisco to see The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Go and see it. Uh, It has a ton of cinematic value. The colors of the movie and the pacing are very much like what you would experience in a stage play. In fact, there is something about the, the cadence of the script and the economy of the script that reminded me of Eugene O'Neill's plays or something. Um, in fact, one of the things that I found very delightful about the movie was that there is a play within a play. And my heart was touched because of all the gentrification going around us, obviously. And because of the renter's culture that's set up, it's it's really hard to feel like the city belongs to you even though you've lived here for such a long time, even if you're a native. Now, I'm from Houston, but I've been here for 15 years. But um, 
there's a lot of, of natives who are pushed out, particularly black people. And that's, that's the, that's the main thing being pushed out to, to toxic, you know, places to breathe in toxic air. Um, I personally love going to Bayview Hunters Point. I used to work for a cannabis company out there. Um, and I, I liked being out there. Um, and it's it's a great it's a great neighborhood actually um they actually they take care of their homeless there with uh, with properly staffed navigation centers for example that's something that the mission doesn't do uh which the bayview hunters point does do they do have many community services for the underserved in that community so there there are you know there is so much pollution there though and there there are there is nuclear you know nuclear leftovers from there you know so they did portray that in the movie i it also had elements the post nuclear the post nuclear aspect of it and the theme of that kind of living in the living in the ruins living in the abandoned reminded me a lot of and also the lighting the lighting reminded me a lot of when of that film uh, dreams by kurosawa when he and also there's another kurosawa film when when people are kind of on the outskirts of of like they're scavengers it's it's not dreams but it's another post-nuclear film his his uh post-nuclear surrealist films are when they're in color i think he does he chooses color for a reason um it's against it it's the contrast of of the black and white when he does black and white the black and white kind of represents the westernization of of the japanese society in a way um and the homogenization of of that society so when you look at all of kurosawa's films if you see them as kind of like a quilt you can see the deliberate use of of color in them and i really felt that the the lighting and the colors were very deliberate in last black man and I loved it. I loved every every shot. The the ending frame was probably the most breathtaking for me, where the main character is on a small boat and he in watching the waves and how they how they move, and that that was more than just a painting come to life. It it was it was really the breaking point for me. Um, as far as being caught up in the film. I highly recommend it. It's, it is, I think, a, a film that will be talked about for many years, and it's coming to the Criterion Collection, I swear. <laughs> That's the vibe I'm getting from it, um, because it does, it's an original, but I also am reminded of some of my favorite filmmakers. So I saw that film in part of kind of where the 
kind of on the outskirts of where part of the film takes place. I went, I saw it in the Fillmore, Japantown area at the Kabuki Theater. And of course, there were baby boomers in the theater. You know, one thing me and the baby boomers have in common, we love a matinee. But they go in herds and I like to go by myself. So that's, that's where it, it, um, it ends. So as soon as the credits started rolling, a loud baby boomer said in kind of, you know, not even a stage whisper, just said it out loud. She was like, that was a very slow movie. And so I had to do my little stage whisper and say, that was a very loud baby boomer. And then I left because I was like, you know what? I don't need her capsule review. The credits just started rolling as soon as the director came up. Excuse you, woman. There are other people in this theater. This is not your living room or your your rec room at your, you know, at your bungalow. Okay? It was so ironic because, you know, there were baby boomers in, well, maybe slightly, but there were a few baby boomers in there. Anywho, I stepped out and my phone had died and I wasn't able to call a cab or anything and I didn't see any coming. So I had to hop on the 22, (laughs) which was funny because they ride the bus in the movie. (laughs) I don't think they're riding the the 22 line. Maybe they ride the 22 line a little bit in the film more, but I think they're also on the 49 and the 23 Palu, which I used to take. So th- they rode, they uh, they definitely rode the 20, or they appeared to be riding the 23 Palu in the movie. Um, so, pardon me with this button pushing, it's to reactivate. Um, I got on the bus, and as soon as I got on the bus, I realized the bus was all full of women. There were no men on the bus, except for the bus driver, and there were about 12 women. And it was kind of magical, you know? Just got there seeing this magical film about San Francisco and the Fillmore, and then you're in the Fillmore, and then you ride a bus, and there's all these different women on the bus. So tra-la-la, we're going up the hill, we're going up Fillmore Street, we go over that big hill, you know, towards Goff and all that jazz. And who do you know? A baby boomer wants to get on the bus. He's drunk as fuck. He's a little guy, you know, he looks, you know, he looks like a squashed baby with like, he had his, his whitish blondish hair kind of rolled into this funny curl and, you know, he was kind of acting like a weird baby because he was super drunk and couldn't hold his, his beer yet. He was double fisting two tall boys he got on the bus there was an old asian woman sitting in one of the two first seats on the outside and she was kind of leaning her head on you know those kind of partition areas in the bus so she was kind of leaning her head on there and he demanded that she move he's like hey you need to let me sit down. You need to let me sit down. And then he started uh, cursing at her and telling, you know, trying to get her to move 
and then making racial slurs at her. And myself and the, a few of the other women were like, don't cuss at her. Don't talk to her like that. And he would be like, I just did. I just did. And he kept at it. He kept at it. And then he finally stopped. He finally stopped when another man got on the bus and overheard that. And he would apologize like to the man. He was such a misogynist. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to take a big old cane and beat his ass. I did. I wanted to throw him off the bus and kick him down the road like a wheel of cheese. That is what I wanted to do. That, that dumb little baby boomer shit. It was so... It, it was just like, you know, one man gets on the bus and just ruins the peaceful, idyllic vibe of that ride. So the... So another... A young lady gets on the bus and he starts trying to engage her and she was kind of playing into it and was also, I don't know, kind of trying to assuage his, you know, just answering his questions and talking to him. And I'm just like, okay, he found someone who feels like being a people pleaser today. Good for him. Uh, but he was also saying insulting and misogynist things to her, and she was too young to realize all the microaggressions, I believe. Um, talking about her body, her appearance, how she was bigger, and her breasts. He was talking about her breasts, how they were bigger than his wife's breasts. And she just took it in stride and was continuing to to engage with him. It, it was... It was really another level of gross because he was taking advantage of her naivety. These fucking menfolk, I tell you what, you know, give them a couple of beers and, and uh, you know, all their, all their deviant traits just hang out like, you know, a bucket of slop. Um, so the, the older Asian woman got off at her stop and you know what? She was so tired and so in such you could tell she was in such physical pain that she had a hard time uh, getting off of the bus she had to hold on to every single pole and she required a little bit of assistance from some of the passengers in getting off the bus and then some black people got on the bus and they were all dressed really beautifully Maybe they were uh, fashion designers or fashion students or something. One guy had a, a big uh, purplish-gray felt hat that had a, a kind of, you know, a moderately wide rolled brim. And then the rest of his clothes were in those muted tones and the suit fit him beautifully. And then he, he was dressed most distinctively. And you could see this this drunken baby boomer shithead just like looking him up and down and ex and kind of like mocking him. And, and I was just, I, I just, you know, how come those people always stay on the bus forever? <laughs> That's my question. That's my question. But you know what? It was a great way to end after, you know, apart from his unpleasantness, which was awful. And I was about to kick his ass. 
I am glad that I that I had to take the bus back through the mission and got off at 16th because that kind of it seemed almost like an extension of the movie so um, it's cool seeing a movie that's about your city and then being in the actual spots where the movie is filmed so yeah that was that was really great um, and I am oh I've my my store's been doing really good so it was funny on Saturday I thought wow I'm done with all the shipping great and then now I have just as much shipping today so just in two days or one and a half days so I've got to get to that but before I do I'm going to read you a little bit more of a tidbit of the homeless person's diary do 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 let's see here Okay, let me find my spot. Took care of all my responsibilities. Go take a shower. Okay, so when we left off last week, uh, this person was wanting to wash their hair. And the top of the page said, I'm so fucking tired. So here we are again. I could go take a shower at the Women's Center. Man, that's another awesome reason to have an ID. I'll be able to go into some motels and shower. I have done that. I like right at Market and Hate and Goff, but on the same side of Market as Travelodge. I, I got mugged there, by the way. This is me talking. I got mugged there about six months after I moved here, right, right where she's talking about the same sort of market as Travelodge. It has some sort of restaurant or bakery. That's Delessio Bakery, which is now closed, on the bottom floor, and then all little tiny apartments above. I think it was built to be a hotel, but they turned it into long-term housing. Some people only pay 500 month a month to live there. That's totally straight. They are one single room with a sink in each floor, has at least three showers with bathtubs and three toilets. The toilets are in different rooms in the showers for the most part. But because there are so many bathrooms, nobody is stuck waiting to use it, knocking on the door, rushing you. Shit, I've taken hour and a half long showers in there. I didn't even realize until I left. But sometimes I feel like I need to wash everything twice, you know? So that that building she's talking about has now been destroyed. That Flax Art building and uh, that hotel area, which is right near where I got mugged. That hotel is gone. Delessio Bakery's like demolished. OMG, I'm surrounded by little kids right now. They're fucking stinky and the teacher is trying to keep control of them while they're in downtown on a field trip what a trip for those kids to grow up walking through civic center every day to get through school all of the crazy shit they've probably seen holy shit baby i'm on a train yeah i just sat there literally for an hour waiting for one that had some amount of breathing space girl i have been there <laughs> i can relate to that plus my leg is hurting so i really wanted a seat and i got it You'd think walking with a cane and having your leg all wrapped up would inspire people to let me have a seat. But no, definitely not. You know, baby, just an observation 
and I actually really hope I am wrong, but it seems like people having sympathy and empathy and just general politeness out of respect for another human being is getting to be less and less. Wow. I wonder where what her injury is from. Maybe it's a junkie injury, you know, like... Um, where, you know, their leg, their joints get all, everything gets all bloated up from shooting up. Like, I feel like it was worse here than ever before. I went to KC Mo. Okay, so she was there before. It's probably the phones. Everyone around here stares at their damn phones all the time, constantly. I mean, occasionally I'll find a website interesting and read it for a day or two. But I'm on a four car train full of people and no one is talking everyone is playing with their stupid phones i really don't get it what the fuck could they possibly be looking at all the time then again i've really never hung out on facebook and still don't plan on it either but most normal people do fuck with social media and that's a whole ball of wax that i don't even want to fuck with i already have a pretty lengthy list of vices and addictions so we'll leave that there thank you guys for listening i hope you have a great day and if you're in san francisco do something fun i plan on doing it after i finish my work i got a cheese party planned and some of the ladies are going to come over and eat cheese with me and drink wine All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye.